This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. Hi, I'm Judith. And I'm Melina. We are internet friends turned real life friends who both experienced the tragic loss of our sons to sudden infant death syndrome in winter of 2021. In the year after Aiden died, my husband and I both became unemployed, my parents divorced, and we had to move five times for various reasons. And as for me, just a few weeks before my son Quinn died, my then husband had come out to me as a transgender woman and were subsequently divorcing. It's been a lot. (laughs) It's been a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But as long as we're living, we will love our sons deeply and work to make sure that we live a life that makes them proud. Welcome to As Long As I'm Living podcast. We're so glad you're here. Ready to get started? Hi. 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 I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with you too. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to As Long As a Moving Podcast. As you were reading this, uh, as you're reading this, (laughs) you're not reading anything as you're listening to me. Um, It is, this episode is going to be coming out July 17th. So this is after my and Tyler's wedding. And this is our continuation of our interview. Um, I guess now is as good a time as any to reveal that this past Saturday, July 15th, was actually just a wedding and not not the marriage. We actually eloped back in May. May 5th. May 5th. Single day marriage. Um, which was a blast. So you've actually been my husband and Quinn's stepdad for two months already at this point. Uh-huh. How's it feel? I like it. Yeah, I like it too. <laughs> um, so as I said, this is part two of uh, uh, our interview with Tyler. So if you haven't listened to part one, you definitely should. It explains how we met. It, it talks about the first time he met Judith. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And this one is going to just be kind of more questions around what it looks like to support me overall. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this part too. So, um, Tyler and I actually recorded this back in March. Tried to. Tried to. It, the interview itself was fantastic, but the problem was that I, we were each wearing one headphone and it turned out that the, I wasn't using the right microphone. So the microphone was Tyler's right earbud. So my voice is a little bit clearer than Tyler's voice. And Um, anytime he turns his head, it's like, I mean, it is so bad. And you guys know that I, I sometimes talk about audio quality and sometimes it's better or worse. Like this was just egregious and almost unlistenable. So we're re-recording it again. What's kind of funny is the very first recording, the one you guys heard last week, Tyler was my boyfriend. The second time we recorded, Tyler was my fiance, and now Tyler's my husband. So you've really run the, gone through the whole relationship process <laughs> here on as long as I'm living podcast. But anyway, um, here we go. Let's launch into part two of our interview with Tyler, Alina's husband, and Quinn's stepdad. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be a mix of questions from me and questions from listeners. So question. One, um, so Tyler, you have seen me on a lot of hard days. You've seen me on a couple of Mother's Days. You've seen me on a couple of death anniversaries. You've seen me on um, one Quinn's birthday, right? Just one. Yeah. What do the hard days look like? And let me also just say, like, sometimes the hard days are not the, like, big days. Sometimes it's just a random Tuesday. What do those days look like? What do I look like from the outside? 
what do they what do they look like as an outsider looking in and especially like how has your how have you evolved and what you like does it look different to you now than it did before i'll shut up and let you answer (laughs) um you're right it's not um just the normal hard days that can be hard days you i mean it yeah it can range the gambit you could either be withdrawn and kind of just taking your own time in bed or something or yeah you could be on the floor in many different locations of the apartment (laughs) um the hardest ones are yeah when you're having a really hard time and it 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 turns into kind of like well a for me it's like there's absolutely nothing i can do to help console you those are the worst ones for me yeah um I can usually help a little bit by making you comfortable somewhere on the couch or in bed or bringing you a blanket or pillow. But the hardest times are when like not even that helps. And you, the worst ones are when it turns into wailing, which is the only way I can describe it. And it's just like you're grieving. And I mean, it's just so hard for me to hear too. Um, Yeah. I, I think a good, um, example to share is mother's day of this year where we went out in the morning and we're having a pretty good day and then on the drive home you want to tell that story yeah where were we going it was we were at brimfield we went to a a flea market it was brimfield yeah um yeah we had gone out to a big flea market had a great time and you had gotten like emotional once or twice throughout but like again it was like you yeah you had a moment you know moved through it and then on the way home we were still having a good time and then kind of out of nowhere yeah uh you just kind of like broke down in the passenger seat just crying wailing and i mean i was driving so I just... yeah i think that that wailing is like i know exactly what sound that i make that you're talking about yeah. um and like the only way i can describe it is it's like it actually is like pain coming out of my voice like that is like i'm like it's like i'm throwing up like vomiting pain out of my body through screaming is what it is i mean it's crying screaming it's yeah, not good. the other one i the other one i can remember summer recently was you were having a really bad day and you went to throw ice in the bathtub which is mm. a great tactic i uh we must say um and you told me you had only intended to go in there and just throw ice to, you know, get some emotions out. Um, and then you just ended up like in there, just again, wailing. And I came to check on you and there was just nothing I could do. Yeah. And those yeah. are the worst ones. So like, I guess the other end of that is again, like you just, you know, get down at times as anyone does, but like, might happen more often. While we're on this topic, how do you balance being a caregiver for me and taking care of yourself? And have you <clears> ever <throat> felt like maybe this was too much? Um, I think that's like, for me, probably one of the hardest things mm-hmm. um, is, I mean, we even talked about this really early on in dating is like, I want to be a fixer. I want to help. I always want to, take care of you and you know make you feel better but you know this trauma is 
been a learning experience for me in that way for myself and that like i i can't fix this no one can fix this this is not a fixable thing and it's just more doing what i can to take care of you in the best way that i can um even if it's like one percent or two percent better um you know even you have said like you didn't even know that it could be one percent or two percent better but mm -hmm. I'm glad I can help with that. Yeah. And but like for... 1% or 2% sounds like nothing, but it is something and it does, it does help. It does help. Yeah. Um, but for taking care of myself, I mean, that's again, one of the hardest parts for me because I do put my self aside to take care of you. And then sometimes I do realize like, oh, I'm also now anxious and panicky because I mm -hmm. am too worried about you. And then that, you know, anxiety, panic that you're feeling creeps into me. And, um, you know, I've said this before, I said this early on was like, there's a gravity about you and all of this, and it doesn't, it can't not affect people around you. Yeah. Both for both for the good and bad, um, and so yeah, it's it's for me recognizing when I do want to take care of you, but it's like okay, I'm gonna put Alina to bed or you know draw a bath for her, and then I'm gonna you know go check out. Like I have tried my best to take care mm -hmm. of Alina, but now I need to take care of myself too. Yeah, and it's hard to do. Um some listener questions relating to this. Um, what does it feel like to know you're a major support for me? Do you ever feel emotionally unsupported and do you let me take care of you as well? No, I, I mean, I love that you trust me enough to be a major support system. Um, <laughs> I obviously love taking care of you and helping in any way I can. So I love that part. Um, do I ever feel emotionally unsupported? I think like the answer is technically yes, but only because, you know, in your worst moments, you can't take care of me when I'm right. then also to the previous question, like feeling big emotions and it's like, oh, nope, I'm on my own. But it's just like, no, that, I mean, there's no way around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then you are so, so good at taking care of me. As well. And whatever else uh, you have going on when I'm not actively in the throes of a grief attack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I have my own stuff going on, you are always there for me in more, in more I think, than anyone has ever been in my life. Uh, so good thing I married you. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, even, even after you might have been having, you know, a grief, what do we call them? Grief attacks? What do we call them? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good term for it. <laughs> panic attack grief attack um like you still check in with me after those too so oh. it's just like hey i know that was a lot are you okay and you know then i'll say like yeah it was a lot but like you know i'm I'm doing okay or like hey i need you know some time we do a lot of debriefing yes that's we like love... a thing we do in our relationship a lot is we'll like have a big thing that happens or a big conversation and then like a couple hours or a day later we'll check in and be like how was that for you like Anything unresolved that you want to talk about or blah, blah, blah. How can I talking help you how move communication, on? Talking about communication. 
people always say communication is key and it's like, wow, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think to your point about those times where I'm unable to, to literally do anything except survive the next 60 seconds, I think that doing that debrief is key because I'm hoping that allows you to feel like I'm still a, a part of your experience of, of that moment, even though at the actual experience of that moment, I was not with you at all. <laughs> That's exactly how I, <laughs> I like debriefing with you. Yeah, I like debriefing with you too. Okay, next question. Um, what has surprised you about grief, like watching me grieve such a big loss, and how has your understanding of grief changed since you first met me? Oh my God, so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were the two? Oh no, was it the one book? Uh, it's okay, you're not okay. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I picked that up because you were raving about it. I still haven't finished it. You started um, that book. We were dating for like six weeks and you were like, okay, like I'll get it. And you started reading it, which I thought was so cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that book alone, I mean, even on truly like anyone and everyone should read that book. But like, yeah, that book explains everything. And then lived experience with you is, yeah, just everyone got grief wrong. Society got grief wrong. I don't even know how to answer this question because it's like seeing you and helping you in the ways that I can, like it is just being there for someone, but it's also, I guess the biggest part is like acknowledging it, talking about it, uh, looking at it and like knowing that like, yeah, it's shitty, but like you can't ignore it. You can't ignore feelings and uh, that's all people do with grief it seems in this society is like acknowledge it and then just be like, yeah, we acknowledge it. Never talk about it again. No, we already yeah. talked about it. I'm, I'm not talking about that again. Like yeah. we already acknowledge it. It's like, no, it's, it's yeah. always there. It's always persistent. Everyone will always have it, whatever the grief that you're going through. I think I feel like there could be a whole freaking episode on that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you're right. That could be an episode. Let me make a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> what did society get wrong about grief? Stay tuned for as long as annoying podcast. Everything. Um, yeah, I think, um, let me put it this way. I think if you, Tyler, were not someone who was comfortable with witnessing real, actual, true grief, I don't think we would be married. I don't think we would be together. I think yes. this, the grief of losing my son is such a huge part of who I am. And I hate that. I don't, I wish that weren't true, but it is that if we didn't talk about it or if we didn't acknowledge it, or if it wasn't allowed to take up space in our home, like, I don't think we could be together. I really don't. No, I, I, I think from who you are, you, I mean, look, you started a podcast about it so clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, I think that goes back to that, the same question like society got it wrong i think this happens to a, unfortunately more people than people know uh maybe not even this big of grief or other things like this like uh a spouse dying or something and mm -hmm. again people in the next relationship or in the family whatever just don't talk about it yeah or even like a sibling the, or a parent or a friend dying yeah. like these things affect us and it doesn't they don't just die and then you're done, like they're gone from the rest of your life. And it's perfectly normal for that to still feel sad for the rest of your life because they're not there. 
I think yeah, what's, I mean, what makes it was the, a... the child loss particularly egregious is that they are supposed to outlive you by yeah. everyone's estimation, right? So like losing a parent or a spouse or a sibling or a friend, like eventually one of you was going to die and that was going to happen, right? <laughs> In the parent-child relationship, it's just completely fucked up and wrong. That's never supposed to happen. So like it's it's bad in that particular way but any of these things like they're gone from memories that they should have been there for and it's just sad it's sad yeah and it's normal it's to actually be sad. judith very recently found a poem yeah uh, that i thought was explained this perfectly where it's like yeah. yeah you guys even posted about it but it was like you don't die just once it's like you die mm -hmm. uh you know when over and over I'm again over and over again, when I'm looking at your favorite meal, when I'm walking down the path we walked down, like all these yep. things. It's like, yeah, I thought that poem was a, a really good explanation of that. Well, I'll link that post in the description. Next is a question that I did not ask you before because this one came in just yesterday when I posted on Instagram. And I actually love this question and think it is so interesting, okay? How has this, the global this, Quinn dying, me being a bereaved parent, all of this influenced conversations between the two of us about fertility and parenting. And Whoa. I think this is such a good question because it absolutely has. And there are like, I, I'm excited to answer this question with you because I think there's so many ways that it has. First yeah. and foremost, um, we've shared this on the podcast, but Quinn's death was most likely somewhat likely attributable to a gene he inherited from me. Um, and so Tyler and I have decided to pursue IVF with genetic testing um, to PGTM single gene testing to um, eliminate embryos that have this gene going forward. So the, the most obvious way that this has affected conversations about fertility is that um, we're doing IVF. <laughs> And we're doing that within the next month. So the egg retrieval within the next month. Um, so that's a huge, huge way that it has affected us. Um, also a pretty straightforward way to explain we're doing IVF, right? That's like a huge <laughs> difference than trying to get pregnant the old fashioned way. Um, what else? I mean, yeah, just on that one, like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I will say like, I guess as a guy, like I never thought about those kind of things probably as much but like yeah I never I guess really thought I was gonna do IVF and I'm, I was never against it or anything but now it's just like oh yeah that and honestly I'll say like again privileged to know or be able to do all that but like even though we're trying to single out that one gene you also get all these other protections kind of mm -hmm. with IVF of screening out all these other things um like I we learned that you were a carrier of some uh recessive gene that might cause deafness mm -hmm. and i was a recessive carrier of some other thing yep. but it but we know you know those won't happen because we both don't have it and it's just like i don't know it's just like it actually made me feel so much more confident and safe about having a kid because i was worried about a lot of those things that ivf screens out for yeah and what about also like can i ask you how you feel about because I know doing IVF screening out this gene is going to give me some peace of mind about my baby dying again. How does this, how does that feel for you? And let me also just like call back to our first date 
I remember one of the things I said was, I have a son, he died of SIDS. And I said, it's random. I was like, there's no, like, there's really not a link. Like I was like, I don't have like a, uh, whatever. Like I really was specific on our first date that I'm not like damaged goods with like bad genes. Right. And then of course it turns out that I am. Um, but so it is going to provide me peace of mind that that gene is, is gone. How do you feel about that? I mean, yeah, it's, it's honestly, I would actually say like, I have almost even more peace of mind for two reasons because a, like, yeah, we are, we know about that and we're screening out for that, which like, I feel like you've asked me so many times and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to do this because like, yeah, we don't scientifically know a hundred percent that this was the reason, but like, it's not worth it. It's not yeah. worth the headache. And then you keep saying that over and over of like, for your peace of mind to do this and like, I want you to have that as my wife. I want you to have that peace of yeah. mind, like let alone, not even for me, like, but like, and yes, it also gives me peace of mind, but I want you to have that peace of mind. Yeah. I, I have said to you a couple of times, I mean, I'm so excited to have kids with you when, when the time comes, but I am, I have said a couple of times that I'm something I'm not looking forward to when we have a child together is there's going to be a moment when you hold our baby that you realize what I, what I actually lost. Oh my God. I'm feeling really emotional when you're going to feel like how much love I feel for Quinn and you're going to look at our baby and you're going to think, Oh my God, like I get, I could only have three months and 27 days with this person and then they could die. Um, and I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> For you, because I think, um, I think as bad as it's been watching me grieve, I think you're also able to be a little bit separated from it because you don't have the experience of having a child. Um, but I think, I think it's gonna, I think it's only natural that when we have a living child, you're going to have more anxiety than the average new dad. First of all, just because you're an anxious person in general, which I actually love about you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but just because of my experience and you're going to be parenting a newborn with someone whose newborn died. Um, and so I think that yeah. we've talked about that a lot. I think that's going to be hard. Um, I think we're going to have to lean on our network or support system in those early days to like actually make sure we sleep because I think that's going to be really hard. We'll see. I mean, maybe it won't, maybe it won't be as hard as I'm expecting, but I think it's, I think it's not going to be easy. Um, and I think it, I guess what I'm trying to get at is I have a feeling that Quinn's death is going to affect the way you parent a newborn as well, even though you weren't yeah. there. I think that's true. And I mean, I think this is just like, you know, the way life works, the way humans are, but like, you're right. I, I know you're right. Is that when we have a living kid and I get to hold them and there will be some thing that's like oh my god this i will have more realization or recognition of what you lost mm-hmm. and i will say for the moment though is like yeah I mean, like i'm i'm going down so many paths in my head right now but i'm like is this just like a human protection biological protection is like 
I don't feel that right now because I have not experienced that. And it's like an ignorance is bliss thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I have that a little at the moment. And I know you're right. Yeah. Is when we have a living kid, it, it will be something will be there. Yeah. Um, and then I think when we talk about like parenting older children, I think this is also something that we talk about. I don't, I don't think your parenting, I mean, we'll see, but I don't think your parenting of older children is going to be affected by this. Um, I do think it's possible mine will be, I mean, we've talked a lot about this, right? Like I don't want to be a parent who is so fixated on their child, not dying that they don't let their child live. Um, and so I, we've talked about like, I'm going to be looking to you, like how intense do I need to be about boat safety? And like, can we let our children like go to the mall by themselves? Like all of these things that are like, just like normal things that like, I have an idea in my head of what feels comfortable, but I can tell that when they're, when my kid is 13 and like, they're going out by themselves, like, I think it's going to feel so much i'm just so acutely aware they could die you know yeah. and it's like eh, anyway I, i'm gonna be looking to you to keep me honest about about letting them yeah. live <laughs> we have we have talked about that a lot and i think i think it's true and i mean i'm glad we're having the conversations now but like yeah i think it is gonna be and we're good at this but i think it is me going to be hey alina mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta let them go to the mall <laughs> 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 that was a bad example because there definitely will not be malls when our kids are old oh, so that's for, the true. <laughs> for, for those younger listeners malls are <laughs> <laughs> it's like if amazon were a physical place <laughs> um okay so that was a great question um thank you to who asked it i love that question okay do you wonder who the old Alina is or grieve not knowing her? And what do you like about the new Alina? <laughs> um, yeah, obvious, obviously this changed you in ways, but like, I, I feel like you're actually, you've worried about this more, way more than yeah. I have, because I feel like, and I mean, you're right. This has changed you. And you do act in different ways and whatnot but like i said this really early on too is like i feel like i was able to see you as or at least break apart those parts of you that was the grieving alina Mm -hmm. the mom alina and then just who you were who alina is alina is a very fun, very goofy, very smart, pretty, and <laughs> she gets to like she she does bits with me. She does little goofy bits with me. She's so she's so down to jump in the car and drive up Route One with me for my birthday, and you know all these all these little things that make you you that aren't connected to Quinn or you being a mom or those things, and it's like obviously those things are also a part of you know Quinn and you being a mom are a part of who you are now but like you are still you as well now making my wife cry Uh, (laughs) that's a good cry um I think if I think that you you are the only person I feel like actually and Judith is Judith also because I met you after the loss 
I feel like the two of you are able to see me a lot more clearly. Me, the actual like human being, um, a lot more clearly than a lot of other people in my life because um, I think, of course, everyone who knew me before knew a version of me and then they watched a lot of that fall away and then now they're getting to know a new new version of me but they're trying to reconcile two different versions of me and and even i struggle with what was actually me and what was my personality before was due to other things and like whatever they're trying to reconcile two different versions of me at the same time whereas i feel like you tyler and judith both only see exactly what's in front of you and you don't have this frame of reference of yeah, this we're not, we're other not, person. We're not, we're not comparing you to the right. old Alina and all that. And actually, honestly, you and, and I have talked about this I, a little. Even I compare me to the old me. And it's so nice to have you sitting right in front of me seeing, being like, yes, but the person you are right now is fantastic. So like, I know you're not the yeah. same as before, but that's okay because this person's great. Yeah, I love this person. I married this person. <laughs> um so like you and i talk about four and 14s a lot and i actually do think like this falls into this as well where like even for myself of like friends i knew when i was you know 18 20 or growing up and i think this happens yeah. to everyone in in different means is like yeah your family knew you as a kid as an infant and growing up and so like they have these preconceived notions of you as as one does like they knew you for that long um and then you know this thing life changes you again four and 14 this changed you very hard and very quickly um and but all those people that knew you before still have those preconceived notions whether that's good or bad mm -hmm. um but yeah i see you for who you are now and i and i like you <laughs> um somebody asked I'll just say it was Jill, you know, Jill, um, Hadley's mom asked, how'd you get so lucky to find Alina? Which I thought was such a cute question. <laughs> um, I think like if we can take a pause for a second, like, well, not a pause on the recording, but a pause on the deep questions. I think it would be cute or I think it'd be funny to answer. Like, what are some just like things about me that podcast listeners might not know? You kind of just talked about like a little bit of who I am, but I thought it'd be funny to do like, like if Zoe were just a couple who's interviewing each other, what's like a pet peeve you have about me? Let's keep it short. What's a pet peeve you have about me? And then also what is like just a thing you okay. love about me that's completely unrelated to me Steve having a dead here. kid? Yeah, pet Steve. That's what we call um, when we like a pet peeve. It's like the opposite of a pet peeve is a pet Steve. And then a pet Jeeve uh -huh. is when you have a question, just a, like a pressing question, like ask Jeeves. Anyway. <laughs> you better include those because that's what I love about you is that you do these little, we make up all these fucking weird definitions We made up pet Steve and pet Jeeve like a year ago. We still, yeah. still call them that. Anyway, so if you could give a pet, a pet peeve and a pet Steve about me, that would be great. Um, a pet peeve about you is... And I'm going to share one about you too. Ah, damn it. Um, <laughs> ooh, a pet peeve is <laughs> such a minor one. You're so fucking bad at filling the dishwasher. Oh my god, it's so bad. You're so atrocious at. Oh my god. It's, you know those memes where just... it's like one person loads the dishwasher like a, a 
Swiss army, like, whatever. And one person loads it like a raccoon on meth. And I'm the raccoon on meth. I'm like, it'll get clean. It'll get clean enough. Just toss it in there. And Taylor's like <laughs> measuring to make sure the plates are the same distance apart. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll accept it. But that's not a very good answer. Um, All right, whatever. And a pet Steve. Pet Steve is that you take care of me. <laughs> you take care of me so well. You're, you also notice when I'm in funks um, and you will go out of your way to take care of me as well. That's cute. <laughs> um, so my pet peeve about Tyler is he loves to have all his little things out and about visible. <laughs> he would love to have like, like cottage core is like, that's like one of your like vibes. Like he would love oh, to yeah. have like canisters on every shelf, like the appliances, like all lined up on the counter. And I'm very much someone who likes like everything to have a place that's like not visible, <laughs> like tucked away. And we are very incompatible in that way. <laughs> That is Tyler very likes true. to have all his little things out and about so that he can see How them and admire them. How am I supposed to remember them? all my little things if they're not out and I can't <laughs> see them? What if I? What if the canister's hidden? I don't. I don't even remember I have that canister. Come on. Um, and then a pet Steve. Something I love about Tyler is he's so introspective. I think I was really afraid. I mean, as a straight woman on Earth. As a as a um, feminist straight woman on planet Earth, it has always felt unfair to me that my partners were going to always be men because men are, are listen, I love, there are a lot of men I love, but they're not known for their um, introspection and emotional intelligence. But Tyler is particularly emotionally intelligent and introspective and, um, loves to talk about my feelings and and his feelings and is so down to like get into the deep stuff of life with me and um, I love that about you and I love that you hate sports <laughs> next question do your friends or family worry that Alina is someone with baggage I mean I think the answer is yes yeah but like I mean yeah I I think they do but like from anyone who's met you like they know you are taking care of yourself and like I am there to take care of you too and like no I don't think any of my friends would rightfully or anything say like oh this is too much for Tyler yeah um could you feel from the start that I was not normal and went through big, a big trauma can you feel the difference in dating Alina versus dating other people who were not bereaved mothers Yes, but <laughs> I mean, I think the real demonstration of <laughs> your grief was like our third or fourth or fifth date, we went out to a bar or something and you were just not having a good night. I actually, and... we talk about that in last week's episode. So go back and right. listen to last week's episode if you want to hear all about that. So yeah, you had the panic attack at a bar and everything and... I mean, yeah, that was not a normal fourth date. And, you know, I sent you on your way. And I just, I think that was really the first introduction of you showing the grief yeah. that you had. Yeah. 
So I guess the answer is yes, you can tell. <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> yeah. But what was, what was the second part of the question? Can you feel the difference dating Alina versus other people who are not? Oh, yeah. That, so that's mothers. the other thing I wanted to say, though, is like, yes, but I guess like silver, stupid silver linings is like you with the amount and intensity of emotions that you feel, um, you know, you know, you as a straight feminist female have it bad because men suck, but... <laughs> From my perspective, from a straight white male's perspective, <laughs> is like we don't get enough of those in the media. <laughs> exactly right. If I if I could just uh, input my straight white male opinion here, um, <laughs> is that you helped me with all this? It it's been so intense and everything that you have helped me to draw out my feelings and emotions and be able to talk about my stuff even more um, in a safe and respectful way. Yeah, I think I, I, I love that. Um, I think it's like I'm I'm paving the way. I'm like giving you an opening to show your feelings because they're not going to be as big as mine. So it's like, think, it's like yeah. mine are like four teens and that's letting you feel like maybe a six or a seven or an eight on a scale from one to 10 because it's obviously like, it's just, it's just like, it's opening up a door for you to feel your feelings with me, which I, yeah. I think has been really good for you and for us. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, any advice for lost mums who feel insecure meeting new people? This is for like dating, I'm assuming. Yeah, but I, but probably, I don't think this person who asked this, I don't think this person is single and dating. I think they're just like trying to meet new people, like new oh. friends and stuff. I mean, look, meeting new friends past 30 is hard enough. <laughs> um, but like from meeting Alina and Judith, like, I, I think, again, actually, it's very similar to the answer of my last, of the last question, is like, those people who will accept you, were going to accept you, regardless of whether this happened or not. And as Alina just said, like, the openness that you can do Obviously, maybe don't start with it at all in the date number one or meeting number one. <laughs> but uh, I think it does open the doors of being more intimate with people, whether that's romantically or not. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, you just said, like, it opens the doors for people to share emotions. And that's how you build friendships and bonds and all that. So Yeah, I completely I agree think... with that. And my advice, my advice, even though you didn't ask for my advice, um, <laughs> is... I think there's obviously a delicate balance between sharing too much um, and not sharing enough. But I think <laughs> I have I have come to realize with time what feels comfortable for me to share, yeah. and and that that does come with time. Is like you test the waters, you feel like you said too much one time, so the next time you back off. And I think I always err on the side of just sharing upfront what has happened to me. And like, that's the way I approached it when I was dating and people who you want to be around people who you are going to want to have friendships or relationships with are not going to be scared off by that. Like Tyler talked a lot in the last episode of last week about baby loss, trauma, all of this is not, I mean, it's definitely a part of who I am, but it's not who I am. It's just something that happened to me. And like, 
yes. people who judge you based on what happened to you and not who you are are not people that you want to be around. And and that's the truth of it. I really believe that. So, um, yeah, that's my advice. I do think, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said that it opens doors for more quantity of relationships. I don't think that's true, but I agree with Tyler that it does open the door for higher quality relationships. Yes, I completely agree with that. Okay. Um, I think this has actually been one of the hardest things for me lately. Um, when when you say you hate your life, like it it hurts. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of like, how can I not take that a little personally when like we yeah. are building a very joyful and everything life and it is, it's been one of the hardest things. And I don't think I have an answer at the moment, but I know that, you know, us building a very happy life together is amazing and I love it. Um, I think it is actually i think you said earlier in this episode it's like making room for that grief i mean i actually you know it's making it's not even that it's making room for quinn which yeah you know i'm going to do um i think it's you know it's this weird thing and i don't mean this i'm more spitballing here but it's like <laughs> recognizing quinn but also it just almost feels like the wrong words, but it's like also moving on. We're never going to forget Quinn. We're always going to, you know, remember Quinn and, and do things for Quinn. Um, at the same time, it's like we we are trying to build our life together, too. Yeah, I think. I think what I what I strive to move on from is feeling like him dying is a huge gaping hole taking up my entire life. It will always be a huge hole, always. Um, the way I described it, have described it to my therapist and on ongoing in many sessions over the last couple of years, in the beginning, it felt like I had this home with a husband and a baby and then all at once, it just, it just blew up, completely blew up in my face, exploded. And in the beginning, I was like picking through the debris of my old life, trying to find things that I wanted to keep. But really, a lot of that work in the beginning was like clearing the lot of the debris of this exploded old life. And it was like not fun work. Like I was cutting myself on glass and I was like, you know, hurting my back lifting stuff. And and now I feel like you know, I feel like meeting you, I was starting to lay the foundation for a new house. And now I would say, I feel like we have like the, the walls up, you know, we're still working on the layout inside, but like, I do feel like we're getting there. And then, you know, at some point I'd love to feel like I've built a house again and in the backyard, we can have a little garden for Quinn. And like, yes, I'm talking metaphorically, but I'm also, I also mean in real life, like I would like to have a garden for him at some point, but like, I want him to be a part of this new house and this new lot that we're building together, this new life. 
Um, and I don't, I don't want to feel for, I, I guess, I guess to go back to what you were saying about when I say I hate my life, I think it's become really natural for me to be able to hold two completely conflicting things at the same time, which is that I hate my life. And I actually do really like a lot of my life right now. Um, and I'm able to hold those both at the same time, but I can see how not me and not in my brain would not be able to hold those two things at the same time. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a really hard thing for me because I didn't go through those things. I didn't have my life blow up in that way. And I guess it's like it's almost like the bad side of me knowing just the you now. Um, it's like almost the bad side of that of you know, I didn't experience that personally and all that. So I, you know, can't possibly know all that, but like, yeah, you lost a child, you lost a marriage, you lost, you sold your house that you had there and like all this stuff. And like, yeah, that is a huge, 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 huge loss. And I guess from, for me, it's like, I've, you know, built this life with you and I've heard all these things, but like, I love my life. I love it so much and I I did not go through losing a child or losing a marriage or losing all these all these other things that go along with it and so when you say you know I hate my life I understand it which by completely. the way is is rare it's on bad days that I do feel that <laughs> I'm just gonna point that out I don't regularly say that to you but I do say that maybe once every six or eight weeks I feel that way yeah. and it's really hard for me to hear yeah. um but it's also, it's almost one of those things of like, you know, like, what do I even say to that? Because you're so objectively right to Justified. say that. <laughs> yeah. Justified, thank you, to say that. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but like, aren't we having a good time? Which we are. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, it's like, it's such a dual yeah. thing. It's holding it's two things at once. It is hard. Yeah. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I guess I'll say thank you for letting me say that in those moments without being like but look at all the good stuff we have because like I know we have a lot of really good things and like right now I'm in a good place and I really feel I don't hate my life right now I love my life I love my life with you it's like it's in those moments where the grief overcomes me that it really feels like wow I can't do another day I don't care yeah. how good the last 60 days were this day is bad and I cannot do another one that is how it feels sometimes so anyway thank you for letting me um feel those feelings, even though I know they're not the best to hear about. All right. How have I evolved in the last year? Someone wants to know. Um, and and let me actually say, we taught, we relatively recently in the last three or so months started talking about how we can look back at the early days of our relationship and recognize that I maybe wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was yeah. really ready to date, but I really was not ready for a long-term serious relationship. And even actually at that time, I even said that to you. I was like, I'm not ready for a long-term serious relationship. And you were so patient with me, but we look back and we're like, yeah, I was not ready. <laughs> the amount of healing that I've done since I've known you is so significant. Yes. Yeah. The amount of healing you've done since I've met you. I mean, it's staggering. It really is. 
mm-hmm. of like it was like I one of the first times I made you cry unintentionally was um I was like you look great you look pretty you look some and you you complimented my body yeah you just like immediately had an adverse reaction which again mm-hmm. understandable but for me at that time I'm like oh my god what what ha- what just happened yeah I was feeling at at the time that we started dating I was feeling really uncomfortable in my body because I hadn't reconciled having a post first of all I had so much going on body wise I had the this postpartum body I also had post breastfeeding boobs that I wasn't used to and I had lost 25 pounds because of grief so I was like skinny culturally like hot but like really hating the way I looked because I wanted to be 10 pounds heavier with a baby in my arms or I just wanted to have like the reminders, I, I looked both enough like a postpartum mom and not enough like a postpartum mom that both were painful. So I yeah. really had a lot of shit going on with my body. And that was not easy for me. No. But but you I helped mean, like me that, with that. Yeah. And but like that's only like that's just like one of the many examples from early on, like that. Or it was like you would have way more bad days where you mm-hmm. could just couldn't get out of bed we're on the floor way more. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we have talked about it a lot recently. Like you, it is, it's healing. Like it's, yes, it's good to remind that like, no, this will always be there. And like, it is something you and we will always have to deal with. But like you, you, you and people who have gone through similar things, like there is healing, there is mm-hmm. healing. It does get better. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. it does get better in that it will be less often that you feel these feelings, these, these overwhelming feelings. Yes. Um, yes. And you I were a witness ep- to that in real time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the last episode I was saying like, I sometimes like you just get in very griefy moods and like, you'd be on the floor and like, sometimes I'd uh, you know, lay down with you. And other times I'm like, you know, this has happened like three days in a row. I'm just going to step over you today to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like I'm trying to take care of myself too. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yes. th- but that just, that does not happen nearly as much anymore. Yeah. And I want to say like, I can see how that would come off as callous, but that is real. Like that's what you have to do. Like Tyler has to take care of himself. It's like the whole oxygen mask thing. Like he has to oxygen mask himself before he can oxygen mask me. Um, And when you live with someone day in and day out, like you can't get swept up in every single one of their feelings. But I guess his point and your point is that it happens less frequently. And I would say usually the bouts are shorter. The grief attacks are shorter. Um, I have a lot of tools in my toolkit now, and I would say I had, I had, I think the amount of healing I've done, I think the amount of healing I've done since our relationship started is probably equivalent to the amount of healing I had done between his death and our relationship starting. Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's that significant of, of, uh, change in my yeah. grief. No, it's, it's incredibly significant when I think back to how, Again, just I, I think grief attacks is the right word. Like you had so many grief attacks, rightfully so. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just less less often. Mm-hmm. 
And the other thing too, is like you and I look back at pictures of early in our relationship and we're like, oh my God, I was so skinny. And I just yeah, like you look were gray. So... Like I still have a very griefy body and face. Yeah. <laughs> it is. You were so, it, it's, you look at it and it's just immediately like, oh, that is not a, that is not a healthy skinny. No, that is not a well person. Like I, that's how I, in old pictures of us, I do not look well. I look, start to look happy, but I don't look well. <laughs> yeah. um, and now I think I look both happy and well. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the last thing we're going to talk about is Quinn, the baby, your stepson. We, we like Quinn. We like him. <laughs> um, so um, list, these are all listener questions, which I think is so cute. Someone says, how have you developed a relationship with Quinn? Do you sometimes think about him or mention him too? And someone else asked, how do you honor a child you never met? And how do you navigate supporting Alina and grieving a person you never met? Yeah, it's. So let's talk first about um, how do you navigate supporting me and grieving someone you never met, first of all? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of what this whole episode has been, but it's just, I will support you in any way I can. And I mean, mm -hmm. honoring Quinn is a way of supporting you too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have only, I guess answering all the questions, like I have only and can only know Quinn through Alina, mm -hmm. um, through the photos you show me, through the stories you tell me. And like, I, I love hearing every single one of those. I actually said very, very early on is like, I want to hear the fun stories of Quinn. I want to hear the cute little stories like that you got to have with Quinn. Um, and you've told me more and more and showed me more and more photos and videos. And like, that's how I've got to know Quinn. Um, and like, yeah, I feel like I have got, my own little relationship in my head with Quinn too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, him and I can bond over how crazy his mom is sometimes. <laughs> uh, his urn is closer to my desk and I really like lighting a candle for him. Yeah. Um, I'll come home sometimes and you've lit a candle for him, like without me even there. Yeah. Um, he's got to stay warm too. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not a normal relationship, I guess, but, like, I... What's, what I think is really interesting is, I think from the outside, and when I say outside, I mean people who are not in my life. So either people who are listening to this who are not bereaved, or maybe people in your life who don't know me that well or didn't know Quinn... I think they are a little bit, I think people can get a little bit confused about the concept of you being his stepdad. Cause it's like, how can yeah. you be the stepdad to someone who you've literally never met and they're dead before you even met his mom. But I know you take your role as Quinn's stepdad really seriously. Like one of my friends texted you happy father's day this year and you yeah. teared up. Um, yeah. 
because <laughs> being recognized in that way, I think felt really good. You, I mean, I don't know what a stepdad relationship looks like to a living kid, but you are the best possible stepdad I can imagine to my dead kid. Um, mm-hmm. In your willingness to hear the same stories about him over and over again, your willingness to have photos of him in our home, um, your willingness to involve him in special days like our wedding, um, talking about him, advocating for him in your family and, uh, you know, in our families. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, I, it's doing the best I can. <laughs> There's no blueprint um, for this, and it's not even something you can Google. Like, there's not that many yeah. of you out there, step parents <laughs> to dead kids. By the way, if you're a listener and you are a step parent to a dead kid, or you are married to someone who's a step parent to a dead kid, reach out to Tyler because you guys are a weird little club. <laughs> yeah, we'll start our own sad stepdad club. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the sad dads uh, club. <laughs> shout out, shout out to the sad dads. Um, yeah, we're a we're a subcommittee of the Sad Dads Club. <laughs> um, no, I mean it's I do I I mean I've obviously thought like what if I came into this and Quinn you know was still here and I was uh, a stepdad to an alive child and everything and it's like you know I've no I've always wanted to be a dad and you know I can't wait to have my own living children too. Um, it's it's like you know what do you, what do you do and what do you do for a kid? It's, I don't know. I, I think it's, you put them first, like what, what, put your desires, whatever aside. And like, you know, what, what does Quinn need in this moment? And sorry, Quinn, it's, it's not much at the moment, <laughs> but like, yeah, I like, I like, I like lighting a candle for him. I like remembering him. I like helping to carry on you his use, memory. You use his towel sometimes, his Quinn towel. I love, I love using his Quinn towel. Uh, I love the little Quinn stool. Uh, yeah, I like, I don't know. I like, I like incorporating him into our lives. It's, it's nice. Like, I, I know, I know that for the rest of my life, like, let's say you and I have two kids. Like, I know I'm always going to say I have three kids, right? I have Quinn and then I have what whatever number of our kids. And I, I really feel like you're, you think of, Quinn as part of our family and that when we're 50 and our kids are in high school, people are going to say, how many kids do you have? And you're going to say, oh, you know, we have the two kids. And then I also have a stepson who died before I met Alina. Like he's very much a part of our family. He really is. He is. is. Like, yeah, Yeah. it's not even a, it's not even a question. Yeah. If you're addressing mail to us, like it should be to Tyler and Alina and Quinn because he's here. He lives here. (laughs) (laughs) um so my last question to you is um when we when we have bereaved parents on this podcast we typically ask them like for a memory that they want to share of their time with their baby and tyler you never met quinn but is there a memory of quinn that i have shared with you that really stands out in your mind or that that you think about or yes that is meaningful to you there's at least two immediately that come to mind. Um, Quinn was a, a big reader and he loved mm. to read upside down books. And so like that photo of Quinn reading an upside down book, I don't, I don't know why it's just like so ingrained in my mind and it's so cute. <laughs> Quinn was literally the cutest baby, but then like him reading an upside down book 
of which his mom loves to read too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I love that one. Yeah. And then the other one is, um, you, the the sound you used to make, or that yeah. he used to make, like, a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, I love that so much because I feel like that's like, if I see a baby out in the wild, I feel like that's what I am like. I don't know, conditioned or like just intuitively do to a baby is like make weird noises at them or make weird (laughs) faces at them and like if quinn was doing that like i would totally just like be constantly making weird noises at him like oh he likes the sound let me do it 70 more times for him absolutely (laughs) yeah he was a sweet boy um i wish you could have met him i wish that too to all of alina and judith's new friends they want to hear from you Email them at as long as I'm living podcast at gmail.com and follow them on Instagram at as long as I'm living podcast. They'll get back to you as soon as their grieving brains allow. Yay! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do another take. I'm gonna do another take. Yes. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <clears throat> to all the Lena and Judas new friends, they want to hear from you. Email them at as long as I'm living podcast at gmail.com. And follow them on Instagram at As Long As I'm Living Podcast. They'll get back to you as soon as their grieving brains allow. Yay. <laughs> I think that was, that was perfect. You got it. That's the one.